Hi, everybody. How are we doing? Welcome to this latest ITM podcast and vodcast, recorded live and available on demand with, of course, all of our great library of podcasts and vodcasts. Now, we're bringing our conversations to life with added video. And the purpose of the ITM vodcast is to gain insight from some of the most influential buyers and suppliers in the industry. And the key difference for us is that we really want you to get to know these amazing leaders so that when we can be together again, you'll feel like you're really firm friends already with plenty for you to get talking to them about. Well, today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by a familiar face and great friend of the ITM community. It's Marcus Eklund. Marcus is Global Managing Director of FCM Travel Solutions. Marcus, how are you? Hi, Scott. Very well, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, great to see you. And I believe you're coming to us from home today? Yes, we've been in France yesterday for a business trip, first time for a long time, which is always a pleasure nowadays. But today it's just catching up at home. Fantastic. Was it a smooth trip for you yesterday? I must say it is much smoother right now than six months ago. And it's just a pleasure. So for once, we can really tell our customers to get back on the road because it is almost as before, to be honest. That's great to hear. I've got my first trip in a couple of weeks and very much looking forward to it. So, Marcus, as usual, we're going to ask you a number of questions about business and leadership and then get down to some of the nitty gritty to just really uh, find out a bit more about you as a person as well, which I think is so important. But let's start by just asking uh, such a, an amazing remit you've got there. And FCM has always been such a dynamic TMC with growth, it seems, sustained over a long period. And you always seem ridiculously calm and assured whenever I see you. Could you just help me and uh, our, our listeners and viewers just understand what's what's a week in the life of, of the global managing director of FCM like? Well, it's it's calm and organised chaos. Now, it, jokes aside, it's I mean it's quite interesting to see how the weeks have shifted before COVID. There was obviously an enormous amount of customer activities we did, and then during COVID, unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of these specific customer activities or much different activities. But I think in general times, we're trying to balance the week between. One third of the week kind of be more on strategic items to making sure we're on track on where we want to head for that. One third are usually a bit more on customer direct interactions. As you know, Scott, we really love to hear from our customers, interact with them, a more level of leadership. So it's something we're trying to do a lot. And the last third is basically dealing with the unexpected, but also just making sure helping everybody else in the organization with the resource they have or to make sure there's not something stuck between chairs or anything like this. But it's a very dynamic environment, as you know. But thankfully, we have so many good people in the organization. I must say they do all the hard lifting, not me. That's great that you, you allocate around a third of your time to, to whatever may come up. And goodness, things have come up which we never saw coming, right? So that, that, that seems like an extremely sensible form of leadership for today's world. But we usually try to have this in, in FCM and in flights and the group in general. is a lot empower a lot of the people to deal with the customers directly, obviously, to actually make sure they can solve the problems on their own. And therefore, us as leaders, we just simply have to be there to make sure that, again, there's no roadblocks for these things. That also means, of course, that comes up an enormous amount of unexpected items, but also being there for the customers. It's very, very hard for a customer to plan all the weird and wonderful things happening in the travel industry. And I think it's kind of our job to make sure we're there to actually react to their reactions and helping them in their environment. Makes sense. And Marcus, regular listeners and viewers will know that culture is a real passion point of mine. And I think in the heavily competed TMC space, culture is what differentiates you from each other. How would you describe the internal culture of FCM and how have you been managing to sustain it through the challenges of all this virtual working? Yeah, so we have, a, I mean, most companies would say that, but we're extremely proud of our culture as well. 
And it comes a little bit from our heritage. For, for you who do not know FCM, we are part of Flight Speed Travel Group, which is one of the largest travel organizations in the world. And the interesting part of that, that we were born on a bus. So our founder who founded Flight Center, he started that by actually buying a top deck bus and driving tours around Europe for these things. And what that gives us a little bit of different is that entrepreneurial spirit that we have. And I think in that always kind of find a way for customers, always finding a way is part of the culture that we have. The flexibility is something we're enormously proud of as well. We don't believe we always know better, but we also know that everything is going to change. So having that as part of the culture for this. And also, as mentioned before, we believe in the ownership of it. So we believe that the individuals can take the ownership to solve problems and help their customers for this. And the last part we're having as part of the culture we're really striving for is that we don't want to be a fully global company. We want to be both global and a local company for these things. Because as you guys know very well, most of the travel issues we have today, they're in market with potential a supplier or specific context in the market. And I think from a TMC perspective, if you try to globalize everything and run your organization from ivory tower, it will never work. So we truly believe in that balance between the global and the local dynamic as part of our deal. Makes a lot of sense because uh, a lot of the corporate buyers we talk to talk about the fact they want to be treated as a unique individual customer and they want a, a solution which is personalized and works well for them. So that's understandable. And then to the second part of it, I mean, obviously, as everybody, we struggled during these, uh, I would say, COVID times, just to actually keep the culture. Our culture has always been very much, we meet people, we meet each other, we celebrate success and, you know, we suffer together as well when these things come. And obviously in the virtual world, None of this has been possible for that. So we're trying to work much more in the communication aspect and trying to create, let's say, virtual communities to make sure we keep that spirit as alive. But I've been extremely happy, and I think everybody is, that we can now get back to actually a little bit of a new normal, but actually getting back to see each other and have a bit more of a hybrid working environment. I love the fact you you use the word celebrate, Marcus. I I think I've um, you know worked sort of alongside and with um fcm over a number of years i don't think anybody celebrates success like you guys do it if you ever find yourself anywhere in proximity to an fcm celebration get involved <laughs> or run away no it's it's but it's also i mean it's extremely hard to be a travel consultant i don't think people appreciate it specifically during these COVID times they work enormously hard for these things they deal with a lot of problems a lot of people are being stressed when they do travel for these things and it's worse than it's our culture as well to celebrate them when we do actually do things right and that we can help customers as well. So you're right, Scott, it's immensely part of it, uh, of our organization. And we're back to having bus nights again, which is uh, to the pleasure of everybody. Good stuff. And along the lines of people and culture, you, you recently secured quite an impressive hire, we would say, and a, obviously a well-known great friend of ITM, Joe Lloyd. And she's heading up your account management and consulting divisions, I understand. That must be a, a pretty pleasing appointment for you. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's a fantastically experienced professional with a lot of qualities, but she's also an amazing human being. So she has that perfect fit, as you mentioned before, Scott, regarding our culture. At least that's what we feel at the moment. And obviously, we've worked with her for many years, but on the other side as well. So we're super excited to bring her on board, and really for two reasons. One, to help us to bring our account management to the next level, to really make sure we deal with some of these uh, new customers we can deal with even better than we do today but also making sure that we can extend our consulting activity as well, because we're getting a lot of requests for people who just need support. And it's not to say we're going to bias the support. We want to be very neutral when we provide these activities to the corporate buyers, but we believe that is a need out there as well. And if any corporate buyer wants to use us for that need, we're happy to help, of course. And she has a vast experience in 
Yeah, certainly concur that, Marcus. We certainly hear amongst our buyer community, there's never been more need for help and support for, for the buyers, uh, the travel managers that um, that are part of our community. There's so much for them to work through in so many complexities that um, yeah, if you can help them out in any way, I know that's much appreciated. And you talked about the way you've taken care of customers during the pandemic. How have you been trying to do that? Obviously, it's been a trying period for everybody. And in the TMC world, uh, resourcing to meet the need for support with low volumes is, is a difficult balance, isn't it? How have you done that over the last 18 months? Yeah, when the, when the crisis hit, we had to make a couple of tough choices, right? But strategically, we sat down and saying, what do we owe to our customers during this period? And I think there's one, and it was a couple of aspects. So one was definitely around account management. I mean, specifically, a lot of travel managers, they get a lot of questions from their organization. They don't know what to do. And we felt we needed to be, always be that support. Because one function we actually never decreased during the COVID, it was account management. The second part of it is actually we're very fortunate. We had a lot of new customer wins just before the COVID period, but also during the COVID part. And I think the worst part you can do is actually just turning them away and giving them a bad experience. So equally, we invested a lot in implementation. Another function we said, actually, we're not going to decrease anything there. It's actually important to accelerate some of these new customers' implementations. So again, they can see that they get everything done during this period when it's lower activity. And then obviously, we took the third strategic option, which would really make sure that we can invest more in our technology during that period of less activity. So we have a better suited uh, aspect in terms of technology, but also be fitted for the world for the next three to five years. So really the key three items we had as a guiding light that we want to invest more in. On top of that, of course, make sure we have the service levels, which were needed as well. But that's been very hard to balance, which I'm sure every corporation and team see herself as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, buyers have been using this time that they've been um, unexpectedly and perhaps unwantedly given uh, by the pandemic to, to try to fix various parts of their programs and look at the suppliers they're working with. Equally, it's a difficult period to appraise the performance of your supplier, isn't it? While there aren't volumes going through. So challenging times all around. Absolutely. I mean, to give an example, still today, have more than four inquiries per booking. And it's just kind of unheard of if you look at the pre-COVID area for this. So again, consultants work really hard for this, but how do you cater for this and make sure that it's a good experience for the customers, but also making sure that everybody's up to date with the latest things happening. But we are staffing up quite heavily, obviously, um, but it's a service issue in the industry, I believe, about business coming back in such a different way than before. And talking about uh, customer experience, um, FCM has always invested heavily in the front end, the booking tool interfaces that you provide. You've always tried to uh, make them uh, very um, sort of comfortable spaces for people to deal with and maybe look like the tools which they use in other parts of their life. And the effectiveness of this kind of tool to handle the new complexities of travel, I think is going to be really decisive for TMCs going ahead. How are you aiming to get that right? And what are you working on in terms of the front end that you give to your customers? Yeah, we had actually probably started before, but again, we accelerated that with COVID. And most of you know that FCM, we're really passionate about both having a flexible value proposition to tailor the corporate need, but also strive to the best user experience. And we didn't feel that our previous technology really met those two criteria. So we invested in our new technology, which is FCM platform, to basically build that fantastic user experience, but also allow the flexibility to integrate different reporting universes, different risk providers, something like that. But also, different uh, aspects which can help you in COVID. So for example, the notification about the restrictions and entry requirements for different countries. So something that was very, very important uh, to actually provide a bit of new technology there. And it's, I think most of you have seen probably a launch campaign we did 
uh, earlier this month. We're kind of currently having our pilot customers up and running for it, which very, very good feedback so far. So super excited what that's going to bring. But it really helps us to cater for some of these new requirements coming in, but also the flexible work environment, whichever corporation has. So important, isn't it? When you think about the way that uh, people work differently and the way they interface differently, um, the reliance on the mobile device has never been higher. It's only going to increase more. I'm guessing all of that you can deliver via a smartphone type experience too? Correct. So all this is omnichannel, so you can interact how you want. But equally, you can interact just purely self-service as you would like, or you can always have a consultant to chat through anywhere in the world as well. So we're really trying to make sure there's a global interface for everybody, but obviously with local servicing where they need it to deal with some of this local problem as well. So it's a big investment on our side, but I really, really hope this is going to be what the customers have been asking for for a long period of time. It's funny, isn't it, Marcus? You and I have both been around long enough to know those days when people used to say, oh, a high-value transaction, perhaps with a business class flight attached. People will never do that on their phone. That's too... too and things have changed so much, haven't they? There's almost, there's almost nothing we wouldn't do on our phone. We would move money around our personal bank accounts. We might even organise a mortgage on the phone. So things have changed so much in terms of how we do things. Yeah, people even buy cars tracking on the phone, right, from a Tesla perspective or the Volvos <laughs> or whatever. It's just different behavior. But also we see that from the user research we have and getting is so different for different personalities, especially some of the frequent travelers who want support versus the frequent traveler who doesn't want to speak to a consultant. And again, very different landscape of these things. And it's interesting to see how it evolves after this COVID area as well. Fascinating that you mentioned that the frequent traveller and when we talk to those through our buyers and, and uh, when uh, the travellers themselves get on the ITM stage, they tell us that they want not to be told what to do, but to be given the information so that they will know what to do. Because at the end of the day, if they get stuck at a border, they're the ones on the hook and that will going, be going through that experience. So they want all the information served up to them so that they are ready and armed. They've never needed more information, have they, in order to travel? Correct. And let's face it as well, the travel industry is by default a bit flawed. There will always be issues. There is always where there's a macro factors coming into this part as well. So travel needs to be informed and need to have the tools to his disposal to actually act a bit on itself as well. You can't only depend dependent on other people all the time. And we hope with some of these tools, we can bring that as well, actually. Agree. And of course, we must talk about the, the um, ever higher prioritizing topic of sustainability and how that's uh, brought to life through your tool, because I think... Um, one of the things that the industry collectively has not quite got right to this point is serving up the right information to let the traveller make uh, a, a choice which meets their sustainability criteria. Um, is that something which you built into the tool as well? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I will be more blunt than that, uh, Scott. I think the industry has been quite awful at sustainability. And I'm, I'm a native Swede, so we've been living with this. But, but I think we can call it out there. I mean, we were at the Alta Forum three weeks ago as well, and airline is now realising how important this is and a lot of cooperation there. So it's absolutely part of the tools. And we look at it a little bit, as you mentioned, Scott, not to say we have to enforce specific behavior all the time, but we really want to help influence the behavior that the corporations want them to do. Because the sustainability agenda also needs to be balanced regarding the well-being and also about the cost aspect as well. We definitely have some key capabilities, including the reporting part of it, individual reporting, predictive reporting, but also, again, influence and have actually green proposals, as we call them. So you may have booked an option, but we can propose a greener option as well. And that's linked to a second big piece of investment we're doing. It's actually about providing our own booking experience within the platform. Specifically, we're launching that in US and Canada at the moment. And it's not necessarily because the other tools are bad or because we want to force our tool there. It's to give customers a choice 
Because what we built in here is what we believe a very, very nice experience, very focused customer experience, but also some of these key influencers in the sustainability area is something we can provide to our own capabilities. That sounds great because we're clearly moving from uh, some organizations seeing sustainability and compliance uh, in terms of options as a box ticking exercise, whereas now I think travelers especially um, are driving demand to see the, the genuine impact, see something tangible that they can help to make their decisions. And it uh, sounds like your tools are heading that direction too. Yeah, to, to be able to build them during COVID, you kind of have to be a bit uh, stupid not to think of these things when you design it. So it's definitely part of the core activities. And look, I think as an industry, we all have our responsibilities at the moment to drive sustainability much better. Certain things, we love to meet people. We love to actually have a positive impact of travel, but we need to see how we eliminate the negative. I completely agree with you. I mean, I can say from the ITM point of view, we've moved away from thinking of sustainability as a topic to the fact that it belongs in every single conversation which we have. So uh, we no longer um, sort of have it sitting over here as a, as a conversation. It, everything we're talking about from compliance to technology, to any kind of supplier selection, the duty of care, uh, sustainability sits squarely in it. And I think we're even going to start moving away from that word itself. Sustainability doesn't probably fit the, uh, fit the task now. So we're, we're trying to find new ways to uh, approach this difficult topic. Interesting. Now I look forward to that. Again, my, my bit of a word of advice to everybody is better to do something than wait for perfection. Because we have a lot of discussion with corporation who have a lot of questions. And we'll be honest, we don't have all the answers, but it's better to start somewhere to help to drive in the right direction rather than to wait for the perfect solutions because we haven't seen one out there yet. I couldn't agree more. You can always do something and you can always do more. So that's a great point. Um, just, I know you touched on this. I want to just very briefly ask you to, to, to give us some, some more sort of flavor on one of the hot topics of the day for buyers is their TMC's ability to scale up its operation um, and that balance the crossover point between the online booking tools being switched on the bookings being uh, taken away from the offline environment. Just briefly, Marcus, how are you approaching that in FCM? And are you seeing a, um, a challenge in talent recruitment at the operations part of the business? Starting the latter part, definitely. I think it's very unfortunate. It used to be fairly easy to recruit to the industry because travel has been a very attractive industry. And unfortunately, the last 18 months meant it's not very attractive specifically for the younger generation. So I think we, we have done a lot of effort trying to work with some schools as well to bring more young people into the industry. But it's, it is an issue, I think, as an industry we have. On our side, we've been quite fortunate. We, we always try to have a fairly high margin in terms of the consultants we have to make sure that we have a good service delivery. We monitor bookings and trends on a daily basis to see how can we bring back consultants and uh, staff uh, at least a month before we know the demand is going to come there. If some of them has not been actually working for a few months, they need to be uptrained. Some tools have changed as well. So we're trying to really make sure we kind of overstaff and predict that. But it hasn't been perfect. I'll be very honest with everybody here. If we get it right every time, then, I, then I'm a magic man and probably wouldn't work travel. But here I am because we're trying to get it right most of the times. And I think specifically with the borders opening to the States, it has been a huge surge in demand, which we've been catering with very, very well. But we need to make sure we have more people into the staffing as well. Obviously, help is on the digital aspect to automate it. But... The human behavior and the customer's behavior we see at this stage, they want to have advice from a human individual, which again is heavy workload. Agree. And for the immediate futures, for sure, our buyers are telling us that that's what they're looking for for their TMC. So good to hear. Um, Marcus, I'm going to move slightly now towards the sort of more um, it, uh, sort of personal side of our little chat today. And I'm going to start by just uh, 
going into an area which I think is so important for leadership. You can tell so much about a leader, about the way they recruit, because we, we know that the um, one of the key capabilities of a leader is recruiting well and creating a great team around you. When you're looking for people to come and join your team, Marcus, what do you look for? The, the first and foremost is actually the culture fit. Oh, you can have very, very skilled individuals, very good individuals, but if you don't feel they can work in the organization which you have, it's never going to be successful. So that's definitely the culture fit. And the second one we're looking for in FCM is actually that passion, that drive to not accept the status quo. We want someone who challenges us. We want something actually who want to please the customer. They want to go the extra mile for these things. And I think those two qualities, very soft qualities, is, is actually key to a little bit when we recruit for that. And in general, we're trying to really blend um, blend the recruitment to so have a good mix of people, both from a diversity perspective, but also from a skills perspective. So really to make sure we have a influence, maybe 20 or 30% of people coming from outside to bring a bit of new ideas into the organization. We're very keen on bringing young talent up from internally to make sure that comes as well. But also then change them between different departments. As mentioned, FCM is part of a bigger group. And we have the luxury actually making sure that people can get experience for different departments. And I think that helps everybody to evolve as well. We have a couple of people working in technology. We used to build up OTAs before to online travel agencies. And really, that has really helped us to drive some of the thinking in the user experience field as well. So again, good mix, but the heart and the culture need to be. Makes a lot of sense. The cultural fit is just so essential, isn't it? It's contextualized to the business that you're in to see if people are going to work together. And I think... One of the characteristics which um, all successful people have had to show in the last year and a half is resilience. And uh, uh, there's thankfully so many people in the industry that exhibit that so well. We keep each other going sometimes, which is, uh, which is great. Absolutely. Marcus, I want to ask you about the pandemic. We've all uh, gone through uh, the most extraordinary experience. I'm not going to use some of the more cliched words to, to describe that. What have you learned about yourself? And I'm thinking about as a leader, but as a person during the last 18 months, what, what have you learned? Well, it's first of all that I miss people. I, I must say I thought I was more of an introvert before by realizing I miss working with people as well and seeing people physically for part of that. It's been part of actually an office life in my entire professional career. And actually I miss seeing people because I definitely learned that. And the second part I learned with that is also the way you communicate. Personally, I've been very much communicating person to person for these things. We haven't been very structured in terms of communication flow because we're a very flat organization. And I think during the, during the pandemic, we learned a lot that the communication aspect and spreading those messages through more virtual channels is something we need to pick up and be a bit better at as well. So that's something I, I definitely learned. Part of having, you know, working with a, a family, I've got two kids and a dog, which also uh, makes an interesting part of it. But that's my, actually just a pleasure more than anything else, I must admit. I'm saying that because my kids are 12 and 14. If they were three and five, I have the deepest sympathy because they're usually less autonomous than kids in, in the teenage years. It's funny, isn't it? You talk about um, you know, how we've missed uh, meeting up and being together. It also strikes me that as we start to attend events again and be together in certain spaces that, you know, we've, um, we need to get back on the, on the horse a little bit in terms of our ability to, to engage with people, do the small talk in the corridor, have that confidence again. It's something we've noticed at ITM that actually... Um, we can help each other a little bit because it has been hard on all of us and we shouldn't expect that any of us have come out of this unscathed, you know, so we've got to take care of each other as we see each other again. Absolutely. And again, realising people are in different places as well. I just mentioned I was in France. It was the first business travel evening they had there as well. A lot of people come in there, but some people are fairly scared because it was a bit more of a, 
it was not necessarily two meters uh, between everybody. And certain people was more comfortable wearing masks and everything. And it takes a bit of transition to get back into normal life as well. And I think that having that respect between people as well, that we're starting from a different place, is quite important. Now we're getting back to to, to the post-COVID area, to put it that way. Agree. So is it more searching question maybe to get to the heart of the, of the person here? Maybe aside from things like family, which all, all, all many of us are so proud of and, and work, what are you the most proud of in your life, Marcus? Well, I have to say the family, but I can't say the family. So you make me a little bit of a tough one here, actually. I must say one of the things that I'm more proud of for that is actually the fact that I did very early on to actually leave my native Sweden and go abroad and learn different culture and learn different languages. So for you who don't know me, I used to live in France for 10 years. I must say I'm fairly proud of actually not just speaking the language, but understanding these different cultures as well for this. And I think that is travel industry in its essence, but it's something which is so important from every individual human being, I think, to understand that not everybody thinks and looks and behaves the same way, but it doesn't mean that they are lesser or better or worse than anybody else. Of course. Uh, okay, I've got my last questions here. They're slightly more quick by questions, but tell us something about you that might surprise people, Marcus. Uh, well, not surprising things when saying I'm a Swede. I think you figured that out by now at the moment. Usually the anecdote of saying that I started up in the University of Edinburgh, and when I started there, I actually was part of the Scottish, um, Scottish Championship in lacrosse and part of the first lacrosse team we won in Scotland according to the statistics I was told at the time. So I hold that's the hope that still is true, that my Scottish lacrosse medal is still the first one who was delivered. And I think the first one delivered to Sweden as well. That's cool. That's an interesting sport. It's quite violent, isn't it, lacrosse? It's, it's fairly violent, yes. Especially if you do as we did when we started it, you don't wear the padding, which you should do. And you realise why the Americans do wear the padding. Good stuff. Okay, that's good. I'd love to talk much more about that, but we must move on. In in the pandemic, again, a lot of us uh, spent more time in the kitchen. Is there a, a go-to dish you've got, Marcus, that you would serve up to your best friends if they should come around? Uh, not necessarily go-to. We have a lot of kids and families around, so obviously we know how to make a good pasta bolognese. I think the dish I discovered that I could actually decently make was actually a ceviche. So if anybody comes over, I'm happy to, if they dare, to serve them a ceviche. Wow, definitely try that. That's one of the best answers I've heard to that one. That's, uh, that sounds good to me. Um, favourite drink? Oh, uh, rosé wine. Rosé wine, that's interesting. Controversial for some people. Uh, all year round or is that a time of year drink? Uh, again, living in south of France has to be a south of France rosé wine for it. And if the sun is shining, it works every, every part of the year. Yeah, sorry in November it doesn't really work quite as well, I find. But anyway, um, uh, what about music? Favourite music? Uh, I'm quite all eager for these things, actually. At the moment, actually, my son had brought me into the 90s grunge factor back again. So I'm actually finding myself re-listening to a lot of old playlists of the Pearl Jams and Alice in Chains and all those things, which I never thought I'd pick up again, but it's, it's been the latest playlist for the last few weeks. Wow, okay. We'll try and find a way of getting that on the, uh, on the disco at conference next year. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Please don't. Anything for you, Marcus. <laughs> um, okay, last two questions. When or where are you happiest? I'm very happy when I'm with my family in south of France. And we're a bit passionate because we used to live there. But sitting on the beach there with a nice glass of rosé in the hand uh, is not a bad place to be. Agree. So Marcus and I worked together sort of in, in different ways at Amadeus. And it's a beautiful part of the world down there in south of France, for sure. And, and final question. Is there a, either a motto that you have in life or perhaps advice that you would, given, you would like to have given to your younger self? 
don't do the don't do all the stupid stuff you did. No, I'm just kidding. I think the main main thing is again Dutch point before. I think the main advice is I give to everybody: be open and don't judge. I find that the more objective you go into situation, the more you learn for these things, and it's an immense amount of opportunity. So be open and be don't judge and uh, dare to make a decision rather than just sit and wait for anybody else to make a decision. Very very sound advice there. Uh, decision making such an important part of leadership and part of life as well with decisions and consequences that come with them. So Marcus, it's been an absolute treat catching up with you. I really loved it. Thank you for joining us. Just a quick word. Um, the, the picture behind you, I've got to ask about it. It's got a cheeky name. Uh, is that William Shakespeare we're looking at there? It's William Shakespeare with a pair of sunglasses. And everybody who wants to buy me a glass of rose of wine, I can tell you the full story because it does take a fair few minutes for that. But yeah, thanks for noticing. And it's must say it's credit to my wife, not to me. Great stuff. Well, uh, I look forward to that glass of rosé with you next time we're together. Thank you so much again, Marcus Schmessiem. Lovely to meet you, Scott. Thanks, Amelia. Thank you. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining our podcast, podcast, and, of course, we'll see you on the next one. Take care for now. Bye-bye.